play with him. Cannot win with him. Cannot cope with him. Can't do it. And we are officially live, the first Clock Dodgers sports podcast with me, your host, Neil, and my co-host, Vic. And we will basically be covering everything in sports. You know, nothing is off limits to us. Um, Nothing is too sensitive or, um, you know, too out of bounds for us. So we're just going to go right into this um, and start this off uh, with a bang. So uh, AFC, NFC Championship, any preference where we start this thing, Vic, or what? Uh, You know, I mean, where, you know, where do we begin? You know, Carson Palmer um, versus Cam, you know, Brady versus Manning for the 17th time. I mean, uh, I don't know. You, let's just go AFC yeah, first, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I say AFC. Get get that one because I, I think really the the NFC one is kind of the more like interesting matchup. I think because you know yeah. Brady Brady Manning is sort of I wouldn't say done to death, but we we have seen it a lot. It's going to be an epic game no matter what. Absolutely. Um, Brady will he come out on top again? I, it's always hard to not say he will. I think he will. But it's always fun to see two Hall of Famers. We know they're in the Hall of Fame. I mean, there's no way it's not going to happen. So. It's going to, I don't know if they're the important factor or if it's everything else besides them. Do you know what I mean? Is it the defense that's really going to make the difference this time around? Is it the the weapons on offense or is it come down to Brady and Manning again? Well, I mean, they, you know, obviously Denver's taken a lot of the reins away from Manning, you know, like starting with what we saw at the end of last year when it was all, you know, CJ Anderson. And then this year it's been all about the run, you know, the controlled throws, you know, short over the middle, everything really because Manning hasn't been able to connect with that deep ball really all year. And it's kind of hurt them, you know? Yeah. He's, he's been, well, some say he deserved to be benched <laughs> before he got hurt and everything. So it's <laughs> like, it's like, it's hard to say that he's going to be the factor this time around. Like, I really think that the defense has carried them the entire year. Um, I don't think Manning alone can win it, but I think Brady alone can win it for his team. So I don't know. Everyone's going to focus on the quarterbacks, but I don't know if they're going to be the the difference maker in the game. Um, of course, Brady will be, but I don't know if Manning will be. And that defense is just what carries them, and I think that's going to be the, the major factor is whether Brady can cut them up like he does other defenses or if they're actually going to slow him down to a point where he's, you know, Manning's <laughs> uh, output, you know? Yeah, because, I mean, um, Brady – you know, they, the Pats can't survive, you know, Brady having an off game, you know, if the Denver defense, you know, gets off and, you know, makes it tough for him, you know, because, you know, I'm sure Belichick's going to install his game plan where, you know, everything is going to be incredibly short. They want to get the ball out really quick, mm-hmm. you know, minimize the pass rush getting upfield. Uh, if it doesn't work, however, you know, and they, you know, they maybe Denver gets off to a lead. Right. And, you know, Brady's got to keep, you know, airing it out to come back. Um, I don't, I don't really know if that necessarily favors them, you know, being on the road there, you know, mm-hmm. the Denver, you know, they already won the one game at the end of the year, or right. I mean, uh, or ended their, uh, their undefeated season, excuse me. Yeah. So it's like, it's, um, it's a lot of different dynamic, uh, as far as who's going to be the decision, you know, the, the, the deciding factor. So that's tough to really go on. Um, obviously a lot of people, uh, still playing fantasy, still playing daily fantasy. Um, I think Brady is still good for all that kind of stuff. Uh, any of the Brady's weapons are good still, you know, um, Edelman, Gronk, um, White, 
a bunch of them. They're all good. Uh, the Broncos, I wouldn't play Manning. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't go that route. Um, so as far as the Broncos go, the defense is always safe. Um, different players, uh, Anderson, the wide receivers, but I just don't trust Manning in himself. Um, but I think it's going to be a good game. Do you think it's going to be close? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't uh, foresee New England running up the score on them or anything like that. I mean, so you don't you see know, a high-scoring game? Probably not. I mean, if if you're Denver, like, why don't you? You know, they're they're definitely going to be in ball control mode. I imagine, yeah. you know, short throws and and you know try to run the ball a lot on New England, which and you know New England is a little bit susceptible to kind of having you know having the run on them, right? Um, yeah, no, I, uh, you know, I don't foresee it being like a runaway either way. Probably like not a lot of possessions for either team. Um, cause you new England's probably going to do the same thing. They're not going to be able to get, you know, 15, 20 yards, you know, maybe here and there, but for the most part, they're probably just going to, you know, take what the Denver defense gives them, yep. you know, those little short throws, you know, those timing routes that Brady really is just the master at, you right. know, I, I'm sure Belichick's going to devise, you know, something to try to take that pressure off of him. Yeah. For some reason, I don't, I don't see it high scoring, but you never know. These playoff games sometimes they're um, they're a little crazy. I think the other one, the uh, NFC Championship, I think that's gonna be high scoring. Yeah, I think there's no doubt. You know, well, you had um, <laughs> you know Carolina finish number one overall in points scored. Uh, Arizona right behind them, number two. I believe it was 500 for Carolina and like 489 for Arizona. Um, you know, and then on top of that, also both two top ten defenses, if I'm not mistaken. I think, I think Carolina so. six and uh arizona seven so it's really close i mean both either way you know and you got carolina 15 and one arizona 13 and three you know it seemed like a lot of the the last few years you know the conference title games were a little underwhelming Mm -hmm. and this feels like one of those old school like 90s you know feels like those two like dominant teams you know the two best teams are there playing yeah so you say so you think the two best teams are the ones playing in the nfc championship oh i mean and and also in in the afc i guess i would say too but yeah in the nfc definitely you know the two you know the two best teams in that conference are definitely playing each and other I, and i don't want to look too far ahead as only a couple of weeks later but do you think the nfc regardless of which team comes out is gonna win the super bowl or do you think it's not a set thing either way <sighs> I mean, <laughs> it's just so hard right now. Or is is that NFC team going to be playing New England or Denver? Because I think yeah. it's a vastly different answer depending on you know who who's coming out of the AFC. Yeah. New England, you would have to give a chance, always a chance when Brady and Belichick are involved. Uh, if you're talking about Manning having to go against that Carolina defense or that Arizona defense. You know, I, I kind of suddenly not feeling too strong about that one. Yeah, that changes everything. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for Palmer and, and Newton, though. I think Newton, by far, is the league MVP this year. Um, what he's done with those weapons, I mean, come on, no Kelvin Benjamin and nobody else really besides that. Literally, again, is looking like a legit option. <laughs> I know Dolphin fans are a little bitter about that. You know, no, I mean, he, he definitely got the best out of him. I mean, it, you know, it was just, uh, you know, just a real special season that he had. Um, you know, and they had their, you know, Jonathan Stewart was banged up for a while, as you said, no Kelvin Benjamin, um, you know, Greg Olson obviously was big for them. And even, you know, the little guys like Funchess, you know, Mm -hmm. Funchess did nothing for the first part of the year. And then he turned it on late in the season, you know, Cam was having all those multi-touchdown games and just getting it, you know, to everybody, Cotchery, Artis Payne, um, Mike Tolbert. Yeah. And like you said, it's weird because we're going to keep talking about the offenses, but both the NFC defenses are great too. I mean, I don't know if Denver is even better than them on defense. I don't know. I feel like the Panthers and especially the Cardinals have a lot of playmakers 
on defense. So maybe they're not necessarily going to stop you from scoring a whole ton of points sometimes, but they're going to make big plays. They're going to get touchdowns on defense. They're going to cause fumbles. So it's like as much as everyone's excited to see Palmer versus Newton, which is just that's amazing to me. But the defense, I think, is going to also, again, highlight. I don't know. I don't know if the defenses can stop them, too, though. Do you think they're going to be able to either offense will get stopped? I mean, you know, Carolina is going to have a really tough time because, you know, Arizona, obviously, you know, um, Bruce Arians like to sling it. You know, Carson Palmer going downfield, you know, would seem to play right into the teeth of that Carolina defense and that kind of like Tampa two that they run. Um, But if if anything, you know, obviously, you know, Josh Norman's going to be on fits probably for the vast majority of the time. But I really think Arizona's got the weapons to attack those other areas of the field where Josh Norman's not. I mean, you look at it, um, uh, Michael Floyd had like 500 yard games, you know, in the last two months of the year. Uh, John Brown went over a thousand yards too, you know, as well as Fitz. So, you know, they're going to be able to attack those other guys that aren't Norman and Keekly, you know, I probably much more, much more than I guess, you know, Cam, Cam's had some incredible luck. The windows that he's been throwing into, uh, you know, to find his guys. I mean, I just don't know if they can continue to be there. He's he's really been making it happen, though. Yeah, you wonder if it's going to run out, like, late in the season. This is, you know, I, I don't know. He's he's on such a high right now that it's like I can't see him coming down. Like, yeah. it's literally – it's been an amazing season. There's no other way to look at it. There's no one else to give the credit to. I mean, of course, the defense and everybody, but just – Overall, Newton has been outstanding, and it's like it's hard to see someone stopping that. Like, you just sometimes you just feel like things are just timing, and it's just on the right. This is his moment, you know what I mean? And it's funny because we've been waiting for this. When he came out, everyone, you know, everyone loved him when he came out, and then it's just it never, it never, you know, he 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 flashed, and it never came all together. And right now, it's coming all together at one time, and like out of nowhere, he's the MVP to me, you know? And it wasn't like that last year. If you said the next, if you said last year that came to would be MVP this year, I'd be like, never, <laughs> never happened. Yeah. But right now it's like, there's no other option to me. I think he's just been amazing. And like you said, I think, I think the Cardinals have more weapons, but does any weapon stand out more than cam is the question. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, in, in that game, no, the only other guy I think who's as much as uh as much of a you know difference maker, just that guy who can just take over the game with it with his athleticism is playing in the other game, and that would be Gronk. Yep, of course. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 going to be tough, especially with no you know Taron Matthew out there. Um, you know those other backup safeties are you know going to have to protect their side and Greg Olson. Um, and who you know who's going to stop him? You know, are they going to you know shade the you know the linebackers his way or have spies on him? Um, you kind of have to because obviously he's capable of, you know, he can take off and burn you. There's no other option. You said an interesting thing. that You mentioned Gronk, and I've seen some conversations, and I'm curious what your opinion is on this. I I recently seen people saying that Gronk isn't the best receiving tight end in football. Now, I've always thought recently he is. Who's better than Gronk at catching the ball? But with Jordan Reed recently, when healthy – you know, he's made some amazing catches this year. Amazing plays down the field. It stretches it crazy. And some people say that he's a better receiving tight end. Not a blocker or not at all, all around, but just as a, as a as a receiver and that's it. Do you think Gronk is still the best? Or do you think if you give Jordan Reed Tom Brady, Jordan Reed's better? You know, is there is there is there an argument to be made? Or is, especially when you, when you think fantasy, when you think any of these kind of things, is Gronk still the number one wide receiver on uh, tight end, excuse me, or does some of these other guys now start to play 
more you know Olsen of course but Reed, Reed as of recently Tyler, um, Eifert. Tyler Eifert you know there's a couple of these guys who just really are starting to you know make touchdowns a lot um, just really stretch the field so is Gronk really still the number one receiving tight end or is that up for debate I mean I would have to say just by the very fact that he plays with arguably the best quarterback in the league you know you got a guy like that feeding you the ball I would still have to put him number one above the other guys but I'm actually okay based off what he did this year, mm-hmm. you want to put Jordan Reed in that conversation right. with Gronk as just being, you know, a very athletic, you know, receiving freak that can just make things happen. You know, it's tough to bring down yards after the catch, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally okay with putting him in the same, you know, breath with Gronk for what, again, for what he did this year. Obviously, his body of work can't match, you know, Gronk's. what Gronk has done, and you, and Gronk, and it's amazing too when you consider what he's done and he's missed. I think exactly 16 games over, you know, the course of being injured, you know, the last few years with the Pats. So he's missed an entire full season and for him to still put up the numbers that he has, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, he's, he's the man right now. Well, we know Kirk cousin likes it. We know he likes to, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he knows, we know he likes it. Fantasy players love him, but I just was curious of what your opinion was on that because I did see recently it being discussed and argued and I couldn't shy away from Gronk, but you know, people were making an argument seriously about Reed, and I was just curious of what other people thought about besides myself with that. Um, as far as these games, uh, is there anything that you see that is the biggest miss? What, what's the biggest mismatch you see in the Patriots-Broncos game and also in the Cardinals-Panthers game? I would say for the Broncos-Patriots game, obviously, like you said, Gronk, I think, is the biggest mismatch for the Patriots on offense for them. I think that's what, you know, is their best thing to highlight. Um, again, I said, you know, with the Broncos, it's their overall defense, but I, I don't know if their cornerbacks and everything, you know, can be the difference maker, but I feel like they have to be for the Broncos to win. Um, in the Panthers Cardinals game, like we said, I think Newton obviously is the difference maker, whether, however he does it, whether it's with his legs, whether it's with the receivers that you, if you call them receivers, <laughs> I don't know, no, no shade on those guys. But if you call them, you know, on the wide receivers that were that, you know, the team's looking for. Um, and of course with the Cardinals, you know, I say, you know, it's it's the cheap answer is Palmer. Um, I think, like you said, Norman will be on Fitzgerald, so I think he's going to get you know pretty much locked down. So I think the difference maker for the Cardinals is honestly going to be Michael Floyd. I just think him or John Brown, one of them. That's my my opinion on the difference makers. If if one of them can really go off, um, I think they can really put some pressure on the Panthers D and and force the Panthers to play more offense rather than sit back and let things happen for them, which I think they tend to do. They kind of play strong defense all game and let Cam make plays as they come. I don't think they ever have to like force issues, but I think against the Cardinals, they're going to have to force it, you know, because I think the Cardinals are going to match them point for point pretty easily in my opinion. But is there somebody or a certain part of the defense or or a certain player that you feel on either one of these games that is probably going to be the difference maker for his team to win if they win or – I mean, and, and, you know, when you're talking about four teams of this quality, I mean, obviously it's the four, you know, remaining teams that are playing to go to the Super Bowl. You know, the differences between them are all like pretty minuscule. If you go and look at their numbers and their rankings as far as offensively and defensively, um, I like what you said, you know, Gronk being, you know, definitely a big mismatch, but Denver really though, they, they've got the scheme and the personnel to kind of at least, you know, make it tough. Like he'll definitely have to work you know, to get his, um, I, if, I guess if I had to say anything that I think personally would be the biggest mismatch might be, you know, the Denver pass rush against the new England offensive line, just because of how many guys they've had to rotate in and out, you know, they've dealt with injury issues 
all year long, you know, I think in a couple games they played with exactly like five healthy linemen. Right. You know, and I didn't they, even and, think about the O line. I didn't think about that. Yeah, and they and they like to rotate guys in and out. Um, you know, and then like we said earlier, you know, obviously they're gonna try to install, you know, some kind of game plan to get the ball out quick and minimize that. But that that worries me. If I'm a Patriots fan, you know, I definitely am worried about that Denver defense sure. teeing off. For sure, yeah, it's definitely gonna be a tough I didn't think about the O-line. For some reason, I just didn't think about the Patriots O-line, I guess because of Brady. He forces you to not think about it as much because he's always good. But with that Broncos D-line, that really might be a problem. That might really be a problem. That might be the – that could be the difference maker. Yeah. Right? It might just be Von it. Miller and Ware coming off the edge. Even uh, their defensive tackle, Scott Wolf. that guy yeah. was a monster for them in the last – in the playoffs and the last few regular season games. I mean, he really turned it on. Um, it's – it's going to be tough, and I believe they've got everybody at full strength. Like they're not missing any, Injuries. you know, any key players. Everybody's good to go for them. Yeah, so it's going to be it's going to be a jam packed games. I don't think it's ain't no chance you miss them. I gotta say, I guess you gotta put your plans to the side for Sundays. Got to oh, leave yeah. them open. <laughs> these are not games that you want to miss. No, uh, for any reason at all. So no excuses for these ones. Um, is there anything else that you want to add to this about these guys about these games or any key points to point out? at all for any aspect of it. I think we covered most of it um, as far as the highlight players. Um, again, I want to get our picks on the record here. So I'm going with the Patriots, and I'm going to go with the upset. I think, to me, it's an upset. I think if the Cardinals win, it's an upset. So I'm going to go with the Patriots and Cardinals in the Super Bowl. Do you agree or you disagree on this? Are you going to go with Cam or Peyton Manning? I mean, I, I'm never – going to bet against Brady and Belichick just, you know, because they've done it. I know the Broncos are playing at home, um, you know, and it hurts. I know you see the hat I'm wearing. <laughs> the folks out there can't see. I do have my Dolphins hat here today recording, but still, I, and for that reason, you know, I've gotten to watch them over the past 15 years, twice a year. Uh, you know, I, I, I just can't bet against them under any circumstances until it actually happens and the other team's up on the scoreboard. In that moment, although I guess it is kind of interesting, apparently in the playoffs, uh, Brady Manning four times, no guy has ever won in the other guy's home stadium. Wow. So that, you know, that definitely uh, you would say, oh, you know, so Manning maybe might have the inside track. But, yeah, no, I'm definitely going Patriots AFC uh, for the NFC game. I mean, you know, as much as it's been a magical ride, like just a, an awesome year for Cam Newton, you know, and he's put everything together. I just think Arizona, you know, I don't know, just the, the, in the way that Carolina was kind of, you know, successful and, you know, they really didn't, you know, yeah, they, you know, they, you can only play the people that are put in front of you. Um, they did give up a lot of points at the end of the year, and I think that would worry me if you're playing against this high-scoring offense. You know, the, you think about that Saints game, I think, you know, mm -hmm. that was a shootout. And then that Giants game, when they allowed, um, you know, the Giants to almost pull that comeback off. And, you know, let's not forget, just last week, they went up 31 nothing and were very conservative yeah, yeah. in the second half. It was close. Ron Rivera took his foot off the gas. Like, Arizona's got the weapons to come back on them. If they come out to a big lead, they cannot do that. Um, and like I said, I don't know. I just think, you know, I, 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 I like the coaching matchup a little bit. You know, Bruce Arians versus Rivera. 
And offense um, versus defensive coach. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned David Johnson. Do you think he'll be a factor in this game? Can the can the Panthers limit this guy? I mean, he exploded onto the scene. A lot of us seen it in preseason. We've seen his explosiveness. We've seen uh, what he can do. But a lot of people, again, I always go to fantasy. I love it. Um, a lot of people shot away um, from him because of all the different running backs there, all the different weapons there. So they thought, you know, Arians wasn't going to give this rookie, uh, you know, a full workload or any real shot. But when everyone got injured, he just burst onto the scene. Um, do you think the Panthers can limit him? Or do you think there's no stopping this guy right now? He's got fresh legs. You know, he hasn't played all year a whole lot. First playoff game, though. Ah, like, yeah. how, how many rookie running backs? And, and, he, he, and he really didn't become the starter, you know, Chris Johnson, you're actually even Andre Ellington, I think is the first part of the year. And then, you know, Chris Johnson kind of came on and then he started doing really well and then he was injured and then they put Johnson in. I mean, I don't know, you know, a rookie, you know, I wish I had something in front of me, like rookie running backs and playing in their starting their first playoff games or second one, I guess for him. Um, You would think your nerves have to kick in, right? It's, (laughs) it's going to be tough. I mean, to be playing on the Super Bowl and going against that defense, um, so you think I, he's really neutralized? I mean, I don't know. He, you know, he's going to get his touches. If anything, I think he'll be a lot more dangerous as a receiver right. rushing. I don't see him really, you know, doing all that much, but you know, definitely being dangerous coming out of the backfield. I'm just curious. Um, one last thing as, as a dolphins fan has the Patriots whole dynasty run the whole run they've been on. Do you are, are do you not like them because of that? I mean, I know they're your Dolphins rival, so you already despise them for that. But do you? A lot of people hate the Patriots. They don't even have to be in the division with them. They just despise Tom Brady. They mm-hmm. despise Bill Belichick. Being a Dolphins fan, you already are not fans probably of them. But as a, as a fan of the sport, do you not? enjoy this run do you know what i mean like a lot of people are going to be happy when brady retires i personally will miss brady when he retires i'm not a fan of them i'm a raiders fan but i still can't help but love things that are good for the sport i will i will both be thrilled when brady retires and i will also (laughs) be strangely sad when he retires um to answer your actual question it would probably surprise you but you know at, at a certain point when you know that uh that one bully just keeps, you know, you see him taking the kids' money all the time, and that's the Pats and the Dolphins. Um, eventually, you just got to be, you know, you just kind of got to say, well, you know, I guess I just admire his, you know, persistence because he keeps getting it done. Um, I, I actually don't have that much of a problem. I hate the the Bills and Jets infinitely more. <laughs> and for the reason that you said, because as as much as I love my hometown team, I'm also a big fan of the sport as a whole. Um, I actually, you know, was rooting for them in 07 to, you know, to win the Super Bowl and have the 19 and 0 because I want to be able to say I was there. I saw that. That was oh, history. You, you know what I mean? I saw the 19 and 0, even though that would have broken Miami's record, but still. And I mean, you just have to admire, I mean, just the way, you know, that they've just, you know, put out all the negativity and gone about their business. I mean, Belichick just continues their run, their sustained run of success is pretty much unparalleled. Yeah. And and, and the crazy part is, is what they've done it with. You know, again, we, we keep talking about Brady and Belichick and it just shows you how valuable they are because sort of like the Cam Newton situation right now is Brady's done this a lot without an offense. I mean, I don't want to say without an offense and disrespect the guys that he's had, but comparably, you know, to the other offenses in the league that have been top of the line at the times that he's been great. 
they haven't always had the greatest weapons, you know, and then their defense has, has gone through its swings where they've had a bunch of great guys, a bunch of veterans, and then they just let guys go, you know, without even keeping the good veterans, Richard Seymour, uh, Lawyer Malloy, guys like this, they just let them walk, you know, and they constantly, you know, constantly do well. So I see where you're coming from. You, you, as their rival, Dolphins rival, you're obviously you don't like what they've been doing, but you respect it. You can't help yeah. but respect it. You, you, you have to. You know, otherwise you just seem like somebody incredibly, you know, bitter if you, you know, just, uh, you know, hating, just, you know, spouting that hate. I mean, granted, yeah, no, I don't I don't like it much at all. But I just, you know, again, what what can you do? They they keep churning out wins. Uh, it's funny, too, what you mentioned. And uh, when you talk about how they've done it with different personnel groupings, the evolution of, you know, what they've done and how many times they've had to change what they do over that time, you know, you, when they won their first Super Bowl, it was, you know, um, uh, not, I almost said Antoine Smith, Lamar Smith, I think was their running back, you know, Brady being the game manager, you know, right. uh, Troy Brown and David Patton oh. and all those guys. And then, you know, they rode that formula for a while and then they went crazy. Then they went out and got Randy Moss and Wes Welker and mm-hmm. Adelius Thomas. And then they changed it, you know, to a vertical, offense and then obviously Brady you know set what was then the touchdown record and he was bombing it to Moss and Welker just putting up ridiculous numbers and then you know they had the you know Hernandez Gronk you know where they kind of almost revolutionized what the NFL was doing as With far the tight as ends. exactly you know that dual tight end they've and they've done it a lot of different ways they've mm-hmm. adapted to the eras they've adapted to the rule changes you know, again, it's just very impressive what they've done over that stretch of time. You're right. They've done it through the air. They've done it on the ground. At one point, even Corey Dillon, right? Corey Dillon was there. <laughs> yep. Cause, and Belichick, you know, just has this reputation for finding these malcontent veterans from other teams. And he brings them in and he sells them on the Patriot way. And, and he ran sh- him into the ground and he got, yeah. well, almost, did he have 2000 yards that year or no? No, I don't, I don't think it was for 2000, but, um, you know, de- definitely a running attack that they've not really had since. Cause right. ever since then, it's just been, you know, Brady throw it 40 or 50 times. Yep. So it's been interesting. So we have to respect their run. So at clock Dodgers, we definitely respect the Patriots run, whether they win this weekend or not what they've done is is set in stone so we hope i hope it continues it sounds like you think they will continue yeah. so so we think it'll continue at least for this year um so we're gonna change um avenues here we're gonna go to the nba so big news yesterday broke yesterday right mm-hmm. um the cavaliers fired blatt their head coach um obviously the internet went nuts there was lots of jokes on the internet uh lebron uh, is the GM? He got him fired. They had the Michael Jordan crying face on Blatt's face on Blatt's body. Um, so <laughs> the so the internet went crazy for sure. Um, Tyrone Liu is the new head coach. He was their assistant coach. Um, so that's interesting. I don't know too much about Liu as far as his background. Besides, since he's been with the Cavs, as far as you know, his coaching background, um, it gives you a player coach. You know, some guys like that. Um, do you think the Cavaliers are? blowing up right now do you think this is like a problem like it's going downhill from here or do you think this change will help them because right now it really seems like the nba is a warriors and everybody else trying to beat the warriors um lebron looked clearly frustrated to me when he played the warriors last you know you've seen him shoving curry to the ground and everything so i don't know if this is a a cavaliers problem if it's the whole nba trying to keep up with the warriors problem but what do you think about this whole black being fired. Do you think LeBron had his hand in it? Cause I think he said, I seen reports where he said he had no, 
no saying the yeah the the gm of the Cavs, griffin uh he had to put a quote out there that said quote uh lebron you know doesn't make the decisions on this team and i think right then and there if you have to put it out there that you know he doesn't run the team then i think and even in some small way he kind of is yeah i mean he's dictating it somehow some way you know it was pretty clear he you know and I, I don't know where where you would even really begin to say where it fell apart because they hired him two weeks before LeBron actually said that he was leaving Miami. So initially, he thought that he was coming in and he was going to be on this team, which was supposed to be in a developmental phase. You know, they had um, and Andrew, LeBron, Les Cavs. Andrew Wiggins, Kyrie, um, Anthony Bennett. So, you know, he thought he was going to come there and have to, you know, have some time to build it up and then LeBron comes and that changes everything right there. Now all of a sudden the expectations are swinging the other way and they're talking about, you know, obviously, you know, every, all the outsiders and people are like, they're obviously expected to win the title. They just got LeBron back. Then they do the love trade, um, which hasn't worked. Right. (laughs) I mean, these guys, it doesn't seem like they're getting along. You know what I mean? From social media, we don't know these guys, but from social media, from the things we see on the court, it doesn't seem like that's working out as good as they'd like it to. You know, I would I would almost point out that it seems like the same thing, you know, happened in Miami. Like Miami, you know, much like Cleveland, year one, they go to the finals, they lose. Um, and I think people were wondering whether, you know, it was working out, you know, as far as like I, I obviously I'm comparing uh Chris Bosch and that to situation love. to love. Um So do you think do you think when, you know, we had this conversation again at the end of the season, we'll the Cavs be in this again? I mean, just full blown with them warriors. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I don't think it really matters much. Who's, you know, who's actually coaching the team. If, if LeBron and Kyrie and love are all healthy, they're going to make a deep playoff run. They're going to go to the finals. You know, I don't as, as good as a lot of these other teams in the East have been looking, um, you know, Detroit and Miami, uh, Toronto, you know, I don't, I still don't see any of them beating the Cavs in a seven game series when the Cavs, even at that will more than likely have home court so, advantage. So you don't see Lou being a factor. You don't see Blatt being fired a factor either. Really in in the grand scheme of things, you don't think it will affect the team negatively or positive. I mean, it seems like they had already, they'd already kind of tuned him out. They'd already given up on him. Um, you know, you go back to the, you know, the famous, uh, gif that's on the internet where they, the, uh, game five of the finals, you know, Blatt drew up that play and LeBron barked at him in mm-hmm. front of everybody and he had to, and then, you know, <laughs> scratch that play and LeBron made him do a new one. I mean, it was pretty clear that, you know, LeBron was never sold on the guy. And if LeBron wasn't sold on the guy, it was pretty much doomed to fail. I agree. Um, as far as the NBA in its current state, do you feel Curry has taken the spot as the quote-unquote best player in the world? Or do you think LeBron is still holding that torch and carrying it You know, right now? Even, even though LeBron had a superhuman effort in the finals, um, and even though they were down you know, two of their big three, um, you know, what Golden State did is still you know, no less impressive. And, you know, and it's, it's very hard for a team to come out motivated. You know what I mean? And they, and they've come out and they've, they're embracing the idea of, you know, we want to chase the bulls. We want to be one of the all time best, you know, very rarely do you see title teams come out that driven the next year and golden state running through everybody this year. Um, 
And yeah, what, Curry, uh, and Curry's the main reason for it. He he's the man right now. I mean, right now you got to say he's, you know, he's the cream of the crop. Right. And we're talking coaches because like we just said, Blatt was fired yesterday for the Cavs. And another thing with the Warriors is they haven't even had their head coach Kerr all year long and they've been phenomenal. So it's still, how it, much it, almost makes, it almost makes you question. Does it really make, yeah. you know, whether it's Tyron Lue, whether it's Luke Walton, you know, bring back, uh, you know, whoever, uh, J.R. Ryder and let him be the coach. Yeah. And they probably have the same, you know, the same results. Cause when it seems like when you have one of these guys, these LeBrons, these Curry's, you know, these league changers, it almost seems like the coach, it doesn't matter. You know, these guys are doing it. Whatever team you put them on, whatever coach you give them, they still succeed. They still find a way to win games. So I don't think the lose situation is that big of a deal. Of course, it's a bigger story because everyone's saying LeBron is the one who made the decision. So, you know, from that front, um, whether he's making decisions or not, like you said, I think he is somehow dictating it, but I don't think, I don't think he's walking in the office like, all right, fire this guy. But I think he makes things difficult on people. I think he makes it uncomfortable and it forces people to make changes. And th- and that's what a lot of the reports have said that it was, um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, basically LeBron's just attitude toward him just gave off apparently an, an aura of that. He really didn't care for the guy much. So, and it was, and you're right. It wasn't that he directly went to anybody and said, we need to fire him, but rather through his actions, you know, he made it known that he was not pleased. And obviously, you know, they've shown that they'll do whatever it takes to, you know, just bend over and give him whatever he wants. Um, you know, and, and granted, you know, I, you see why they do it. They, they stand to make a lot of money, obviously, you know, LeBron's a big draw. They know they're going to make deep playoff runs. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, what do you do? If you lose him, you lose everything. Right. They, they fade back into irrelevancy. Right. So you'd rather lose the coach than lose LeBron at this point. Just it, well, like, like you said, that's the, the moneymaker. That's the guy that gets him in the playoffs. Um, so I definitely understand them siding with him. But I think, you know, the whole LeBron makes all the decisions is a little more than it is really. I think the internet, you know, the internet runs with things and makes it, you know, makes all these issues come up. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was just going to say, Neil, this is this is how the NBA is. Sadly, this isn't the first time that a superstar got a coach canned. I mean, you go back to, you know, Magic Johnson getting Paul Westfall fired, uh, you know, Jordan, you know, not really getting along with Doug Collins and, you know, Kobe Doug in, Collins. in Los Angeles kind of saying, keep Phil Jackson. If you let go of Phil Jackson, I'm leaving. So yeah. I guess you're right. There is more history of the players. Uh, dictating who their head coach will be. And like you said, it is, it's weird because it almost seems unfair because he did get hired before LeBron. So you almost feel bad for him. Like he got shafted. And and I think too, they, you know, they kind of treated him as if he, they treated him as he was a rookie coach and granted he was a rookie to the professional NBA game. Yes. But this is a guy that won, I think something like 700 games in Israel and in Russia coached you know, coached international in the Olympics. Uh, I think coached Russia to a bronze medal finish in 2012. Definitely not a rookie by basketball terms, you know, terms, but is, I guess in the NBA. And, and so maybe, maybe that, you know, was something in the, in the beginning, like maybe he saw that uh, the players weren't giving him his proper credit. You know, maybe they didn't, they didn't care about his international record and maybe he was a little miffed at that. It's it's possible. And like you said, I, I do think LeBron pushed him out, but, I don't know. It's an interesting situation. I think it's going to play out how we all think it will. Cavs will be in the playoffs, possibly the finals more than likely. So we'll see what Lou does, whether he's just a puppet 
for LeBron or her or, or more than that. We'll we'll find out. Well, apparently, Lou's uh, you know Lou has LeBron's favor. Like they've they've talked about that you know there, there would be LeBron talking to Lou on the sideline. You know with Blatt, you know, several feet away and that, um, you know, Lou would be the one in film sessions who would, uh, who would basically say, you know, we need to run this back and would actually call out the star players when they would mess up in front of the team, which apparently Blatt was hesitant to do. Wow. Well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how, how it shakes off, how it shakes out, excuse me. Um, an NBA note to reference, uh, not that big of a deal to some of us, but, the Rockets trading for Josh Smith again. The yeah. Clippers got rid of him. Um, this guy has fallen from grace, right? I mean, when he was with the Hawks, he was like one of their premier players. Um, went to the Rockets to be with Dwight Howard, his uh, childhood friend, and then signed with the Clippers this year. And now they dumped him for basically nothing. Yeah, sa- salary dump and uh, and the rights to, to a European player. Um, that probably will never play here. So <laughs> Probably do you, not. Do you think he'll do anything for the Rockets at this point? Is he done? I, is he done? I mean, for the Clippers to give up on him like that, it, you know, it's, it's funny too. I mean, I, and you know, from our past talks that I am in fact, a Rockets fan. Um, I, I just think it was very strange because a lot of the things that Josh Smith was giving Houston last year, as far as the defense and rebounding and really more so the flexibility, like being able to play, you know, small lineups with him at the four, even at the five or very big lineups with him playing small forward. And actually, you know, for the first time in his career, he was able to burn teams from three, you know, especially in that, that epic uh, playoff comeback against the Clippers. That was basically him and Corey Brewer, you know, shooting out of their minds. Uh, But what I was getting at is that a lot of those things, minus the outside shooting, Clint Capella, um, who is a, a first round pick that Houston took at the uh, last year and he, you know, developed last year in the D league and then played some, but Clint Capella has been starting and playing major minutes and putting up, you know, very solid um, rebounding and uh, defense numbers. But, you know, unfortunately much like Smith, he's a bit of a liability out there because teams will, you know, hack a Capella. They will intentionally foul him and put him on the line. He's a poor free throw shooter. I think under 50% for the year, Um, and that, and that's definitely now you want to add Josh Smith, who's also notoriously poor free throw shooter to Capella and Dwight Howard, as we all know, um, teams are going to expose that, you know, in the playoffs, Popovich has already shown he doesn't care. Yep. And Josh Smith has kind of got a reputation of, uh, shooting a whole lot sometimes like no, no, um, you know, no, uh, safety on his trigger. He just kind of goes off sometimes and just keeps shooting and shooting, whether it's good or bad for the team. So it'll be interesting to see how they, how, how the Rockets, just kind of put him back in there and again i guess the clippers maybe he wasn't jiving with the teammates oh oh, no 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 it was it was all about he was not um you know because obviously i kind of wanted i read into it i wanted to know why you know why were they so quick to give up on him uh apparently he he just wasn't getting along with doc rivers and after playing so so in the first part of the year he had uh 10 straight um did not play coach's decisions so yeah that pretty much uh (laughs) sealed his fate I mean, you know, again, the Rockets pick up a player for nothing, um, even though it's a bit redundant as far as the skill set to rotation players that we've already got in place. You know, somebody gets injured, you've got at least the depth, you know, of having him there. And he's already familiar 
with the system, obviously, and his familiarity uh, familiarity with uh, Dwight Howard. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting just to see because he wasn't even signed to a big deal. No, so it's just I just thought it was interesting to see him get released by the Clip- or traded by the Clippers for nothing. Um, I just thought it was interesting. Obviously, the Rockets lose nothing. Nope. Um, it can only be a win if if it works out. Um, otherwise, he could just not play there either, like he did in, in, in the, with the Clippers. But I think they'll use him because they used him last year. They know how to use him. So I just thought I'd touch on that really quick. Um, I do want to go totally uh, different. Um, so UFC, um, I'm, I'm interested in this whole Floyd Mayweather, uh, Conor McGregor situation. Recently, Conor had a, well, had a UFC press conference, um, of course, his normal shtick, um, being the bad guy, um, talking you know, talking reckless about everybody that he's in a fight and w- what he's going to do. Um, had a crazy El Chapo shirt on. He said that he was uh, <laughs> El Chapo in his prime. Um, so it's interesting. I, I, I like it. I like what he does. Um, I know it's a it's an act. You know, he has to play the bad guy. You make money being the, the bad guy. Um, so I like what he does. And, of course, he backs it up so you can't hate on it. Exactly. Um, so he was asked, what, do you, what does he think about uh, Mayweather's comments? Floyd Mayweather was asked about a month ago. Um, why Conor McGregor can be the bad guy, um, be, uh, you know, say, say the things that, uh, um, make him the, the enemy, uh, to what you would think the enemy to the media and to the fans, but everyone embraces Conor for it. They like it. Like I just said, I enjoy it. Um, but a lot of people hate Mayweather. There's a lot of real hate for Mayweather. Um, the guy is undefeated. There's no question in his boxing skills. He's clearly one of the best to do it. Whether you appreciate his fighting style or not, the key to boxing is not to get hit. And that's what he does. So he, he he was asked about this and he said that he doesn't, he's not racist. He doesn't want to say, um, you know, it's racist. But of course, when he says that, that's what he's leading on, that it's racist. People don't like him because they're racist. Um, do you agree? Do you, it's always weird when you mix race yeah. in, in sports. It, it sucks because sports is so fun to us. So there's no reason for the negativity. We like the you know the positive aspect of it. It's just fun. But I was curious to what you thought. Um, my opinion is, you know, no one's ever hate. I mean, people hate on Floyd Mayweather. I think it's a lot of his outside stuff, though. I think it's his personal life. Um, I think you know the the alleged women abuse. Um, you know the, the the arrogance. But again. You know the arrogance that Connor has too, so I don't know if it's that. I think it's really just the personal, you know, uh, you know, um, women beating type stuff that has been labeled onto him, um, whether you know it's backed by facts or not. But I think that's the the real reason. But do you think race plays a factor in in a big way, the way that Mayweather gets the hate, or do you think that people have just really bought into his role of the bad guy and they love it, and so they love to hate him? Because you know we love to hate. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it really plays much of a part as Mayweather would think because, you know, if there, if if it was reversed and, you know, if there were allegations of uh, Conor McGregor that, you know, oh, he had a domestic scuffle or something like that, I think he would start to lose fans a lot. I absolutely. I think he as, would get as well. dramatic backlash. If yeah. He, if, you know, if they thought that, I think he would get dramatic backlash. And that's why I say I think it's the biggest factor, but I, I don't know what else it could be. I mean, people just love to hate, you know, the greats. That's why, like I said, Tom Brady gets hate. Bill Belichick gets hate. The Patriots get hate. Whenever people are super successful and they go on their runs, they get hated. You know what? I think it is a lot with Floyd. I think Floyd, the the one thing that I, you know, my opinion that I think rubs people the wrong way the most is that, you know, where he's always like flashing his wealth. Like he always wants you to know that he bets millions of dollars on this and he posts pictures of himself, you know, 
with flashy cars and lots of money and stuff like that, you know, and yeah, Conor McGregor is very brash and, you know, he's, he's got a lot of swagger, but you know, he, he's not really in that same, like, he's just more of like, you know, uh, kind of like a funny guy, but he's also a badass. Whereas Floyd is just kind of, you know, kind of being, I guess, a little bit annoying, but he is also a badass in his sport as well. Right. I mean, like, as you touched on, he's undefeated and, you know, technically he's, he's absolutely flawless and he's never lost. Right. So, so you think he just rubs people the wrong way? I think so. I think a lot the of it has to do thing? with the, you know, the flaunting of the wealth. And then obviously, you know, the alleged, um, you know, domestic abuse doesn't help. Um, yeah, I think that's probably got more to do with it. I mean, and, and granted, yes, of course there, you know, there could be some people out there who simply don't like him because of, uh, the racial aspect of it. There's always, you know, going to have that cloud hanging over it. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think it, you know, with him, it's just more of, you know, the arrogance and the, in the very like flashy, ostentatious way whereas you know when mcgregor's bragging he's just bragging about what he's going to do in the octagon right you know he's gonna brag about he's gonna go out there and whoop you and uh you know he's almost like very cartoonish where i think floyd come you know intentionally or unintentionally comes off as more of like a genuine bad guy, I guess. Yeah, and, that, and that's why I say it almost seems like Connor is like a wrestler. Exactly. Know? Like a WWE wrestler. Exactly. We know he's playing a role. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and it, it's what helps him. But as far as Mayweather, I mean, he does sell more than anybody. Pay-per-view wise, no one can touch his numbers. So how much people really hate you? I mean, are that many people really ordering to watch you lose? You know? Yeah. I don't, I, I guess it's possible. So again, like, like you said, I, I, I see where you're coming with the personality. You think it's just, you know, we know Connor's playing a role and we think Mayweather's acting like what he really is, who he really is. So I, I agree with you on that. I think Connor is a star. I think he's going to be great for the UFC because even, you know, UFC as big as it is, it makes martial arts as big as it is. UFC still, it's, it's funny because you don't think about it a lot, but it's in its, you know, infant stages because we, 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 we weren't around when the NFL started. You know, we weren't around when Major League Baseball started, but we can all, you know, speak of when the UFC started, you know, mixed martial arts has obviously gone on for centuries, but the UFC in itself, like I remember when those tapes came out when you would, you know, had to rent these tapes to see UFC, you know, the early ones. And so it's still in its infant stages. So we're kind of, I've heard it mentioned before, the UFC is kind of in its um, leather helmets, like the football was in the early stages. I think it was mentioned by um, uh, recently retired UFC fighter Brendan shop he that's where i think i've heard that um he he mentioned that's where we're in with the ufc right now we're in the leather helmet days and it's interesting to think about that way because obviously the sport has you know a whole lot of room to grow so it's gonna be interesting to see how that unfolds if we're gonna get more big stars um from that sport because it's kind of um similar to boxing right now where certain people stand out and the rest we just don't know you know so in the ufc it's ronda rousey uh connor uh, you know, John Jones. And then, you know, in boxing, you got guys like Mayweather, um, Amir Khan. So there's certain names, but then everyone else you're like, oh, I don't know that guy. You yeah. know? So it's interesting to see whether it will get a chance to fully, you know, blow up um, or if it's going to kind of stay where it's at. I think it's going to, you know, have a big stage if it, I mean, it already does. But I think it's going to be um, huge. And hopefully boxing is on the upswing again, because that's really, really uh, lacking the last few years. And that's where the UFC, I feel like took advantage of that moment. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I think uh, Connor is great. Floyd is great. 
um, let's stop bringing racism and races. Uh, yeah, you know, and and even and no doubt, you know, that Floyd is definitely, you know, he's playing an act as well, you know, which is very, you know, calculated one that makes him a lot of money. So I mean, you obviously have to give him credit there. I mean, you know, and, and just just your opinion, do you when when it comes to athletes and stuff, do you separate the person from the athlete, or do you? hear about their personal life and, you know, use that again sometime out like them? Yeah, no, I've, I've never done that. I've never, you know, I keep my, my athletes, what they do on the field and off the field completely separate. Um, like Greg it, Hardy with the Cowboys, you know, a lot of people alleged again, women issues. Um, so a, a lot of people like the guy shouldn't be playing, you know, this is ridiculous. He beats women, that kind of stuff. And then other people are like, who cares? You know, especially Cowboy fans, we don't care. He's great. You know? So it's always a, a line. I wonder what the majority does. Do they ignore the personal stuff? Are you, should we, you know, or should we take that into consideration and say these people shouldn't get to play the sport? It should be an honor, you know, and you should, you know, walk the correct path if you want to be a, you know, um, someone for our kids to look up to stuff like that. Well, I mean, again, who's, but who's the one who, who gets to decide that? I mean, they, they wanted to take action against him. They really could have and should have. I mean, no doubt what he did was beyond despicable, uh, we're talking about Greg Hardy, obviously. Um, but who, who's the one, you know, if Goodell is really, you know, waving the shield and saying, you know, we need to conduct ourselves in this certain way, then really he's the one who, you know, as the decision maker, he's the one that's got to put the hammer down and say, okay, you're done. I guess much like Adam Silver did with Donald Sterling, um, not trying to compare the two situations, like two different contexts, obviously, but um I mean, again, if they, you know, he, he's, he's the one who's basically the final decider and Greg Hardy is allowed to continue to play. Um, it's just kind of unfortunate to think that, you know, he probably have to, you know, slip up again and do something else like he allegedly did before that might have to happen before he's gone for good. Right. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. I, you know, again, we mix sports with personal life, personal life with sports it's always been that way. I think it's always going to be that way. Um, I just thought it was uh, interesting, you know, the way Connor was almost attacking Mayweather. And I did read things where Mayweather said he wouldn't come out of retirement to fight anybody. I was kind of hoping we can get a Connor versus Mayweather fight, <laughs> but uh, that will probably never happen. Uh, so pretty much going to be closing this one out. This is our first episode for the clock Dodger sports podcast. Um, any closing notes, anything that you want to kind of, send out there to the listeners as far as this weekend or anything that we want to touch on? Um, I don't think so. I mean, we pretty much uh, got to everything. I think everything that's relevant. I mean, obviously the games are on tomorrow and uh, you know, the black thing is still being fresh. I'm just excited as heck for these, uh, for these games tomorrow. I got to say, like I said, it just, it just feels like, you know, old school, like in the nineties, you know, when it would be, you know, the Packers and Niners or the Packers Cowboys or the Niners Cowboys, it just feels like that sort of epic matchup. Like I said, I, I, I can't wait. Right. And I mean, I feel the exact same way. Um, these, these matchups are going to be, uh, ones that, you know, we're going to talk about for a long time. Um, everybody, we are finished for today. We appreciate you for listening to the first official clock Dodgers sports podcast. Um, big shout out to liquid spiral. It's the band who gave us the, uh, music for the intro and the outro um, check them out at liquidspiralmusic.com um, also for more clock dodgers check us out clockdodgers.com sports music games tv life culture everything thank you peace